I'm a child of God. You're on the outside looking in because the church has always been about connection, about family, about integration. You need me and I certainly need you. If you're not here in the house of God today, we lack. But when everybody comes to the house of God and worships God, there is a move of his presence and God starts ministering among his body. You can't get that through some kind of connection on Wi-Fi sitting in front of your computer. You might get a little touch, but it's not enough. You need to be in the house of God where the presence of God operates and moves and ministers to you. Praise God. It's a sad state of affairs, and I have heard it. And it's a sad state of affairs. Thank God that God has helped us. There are some places that are struggling because people are not coming back to church. You know what? We gave two weeks, and we said two weeks is going to flatten the curve, and everybody's going to get ready, and we're going to make sure everything is all capable in two weeks. And two weeks turned into four weeks and eight weeks and three months and then a year. You, you take somebody out of a habit in, six, in three months, in three months, you can take somebody out of a habit or into a habit in three months that's going to alter the course of how they operate in life. And so when you take church off the table for an entire year and you expect people just to get right back into the flow, there are places having very difficult times doing that. Some people are never going to come back. I'm so thankful God has kept his hand upon us. It was an up and down ride. Ride, writing this and writing that and fear and psychological things and emotions and all this kind of stuff. But thank God, about August, enough of you said enough is enough. We, 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 we enjoyed the tent revival, but it's 105 degrees out here. And there's smoke and fires. We'd be safer on the inside than on the outside. And it was at that moment that we said enough is enough. We're going back to church. You want to come knock on our doors, shut us down. Come knock on our doors and shut us down. But we're having church and thank God God has helped us helped us tremendously that in the midst of all of that we're still having revival we're still moving forward God is still at work and it's begin been all because of his mercy and grace to us hallelujah amen the world is arrayed against the church now I just want to say this I'm going to throw this out there Tony Spell went through a whole lot of stuff in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He did. And, and maybe his approach would not have been my approach. And then there are certain other places in the country, their approaches would not have been the same. And so for whatever uh, reason, he took a, a certain trajectory, and that was a, a pathway. Some said, well, it's too self-seeking, too self-serving. He's on all these news stations giving interviews and all this kind of stuff. And so initially he looked like he was, he was really kind of out there. And the more and more this has all gone on, it's become very much apparent that there is an attack on religious freedoms and churches, being able to have church. And so he took stuff to court. He, he did a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have done. I just wouldn't have done it the same way. But he's an individual. So if anybody ever asks me, what do you think of Tony Spell? I'm praying for him. That's what I'm doing. I'm not going to talk bad about him. I'm not going to talk good about him. I'm just praying for him. Whatever he feels right is what he needs to do. He's in his church. Let him be in his church and do what he's doing. He made some miscues, had some foibles, had some mistakes. But he just won a, a, a court ruling that the judge said, you cannot discriminate against churches and have Target and Walmart open and shut down churches. 
Arthur Hodge in Chula Vista took his case to the court, and the court said, they are going to pay you $2 million in lawyer's fees because you cannot discriminate against churches. You can say whatever you want to say about those guys, but they took a stand that said, it is not right to shut down church when everything else is open. And the court system has finally said, you're right. You can't do that. So finally, the tide is starting to come back the other way. And I guarantee you, when this is all said and done, history is not going to be kind to politicians that shut down the entire world, lock down the entire world. You're saying, Brother Bradford, are you saying there's, there's nothing to COVID? I'm, that's absolutely not what I'm saying. But there have been other coronaviruses that have been a blip on the radar screen that nobody even knew about, SARS and other things. They didn't lock down everything. It became politically motivated. There, we are in a fallen world. People are going to get sick and die. This is one of the reasons why we've got an eternal hope that is greater than this world. I am not going to walk around in fear. If God takes me, he takes me, but I'm going to be saved. I'd rather be saved and die than to live a life and, 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 and not be saved. What is it that a man would gain the whole world and lose his soul over? My mother is, is going to turn 80 this year. And she told me early on, son, I'm not sitting in this trailer looking at these four walls. I'm not doing it. She has worked every single day. She has not stopped. She said, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. You know what, mom, I would appreciate it if this year you would have died from coronavirus I would have been happy about the fact that your faith was greater than a virus and it was on your terms that you said, I'm going to live for God and God's going to be with me. Our, our world is full of fear. We've heard so much flip-flopping, you didn't need a mask. Now all of a sudden you need a mask. Now all of a sudden you need two masks. People driving around in their vehicles with masks putting in restaurants this plexiglass stuff because the virus can't jump over that for sure. That won't happen. And so now all these places and businesses having to jump through all these hoops, factories shutting down, assembly lines shutting down, locking down everything. And then politicians think it would be a great idea to stimulate the economy with all this money. This is why all the factories have been shut down. You shut down everything. Everything has been locked up and so they're not in production anymore there's not stuff coming out of those places anymore and now you flood the market with all kind of money you and i are paying a tax we are paying an unseen tax and it's a tax called inflation and everything has gone up five percent from your milk to your eggs to your gas to your lumber and everything else and politicians still think we'll just keep pumping more money in this to try to revive the economy you're hurting the economy our world is upside down. We got people in the streets burning down houses, burning down businesses, organizations. It's, it's, it's a social, cultural war that we are in. I'm telling you, we're in a cultural war. 
When, when you pick up a newspaper and you've got some Chinese lady that's talking about Mao, that's talking about the cultural revolution in China, and she's saying, I came out of that, and we're right back into the same thing in the United States of America. You should wake up and say, she's been there, done that. This is not all fuzzy uh, uh, kumbaya games. This means something. Praise God. A lot of people, a lot of people just going to shut up. They're not going to say anything, and they're going to write the wave hoping that they can get through this. I'm telling you, the more that we shut up and we don't say anything, it's going to become more entrenched and more difficult for us to get out of. Thank God there are some people that are starting to say this critical race theory, including African Americans, are saying this is nothing but racism in and of itself. I don't want my child going to a school based on his color. We got to get back to the days of Martin Luther King that said character matters. Morality matters. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. What matters is the heart that you've got that's in you. Praise God, praise God. Our world is out of course. Thank God for sound doctrine that anchors us. Our message has not changed from the very beginning. It's always been the same. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. Hispanic, Caucasian, African American, Nigerians. It's the same for everybody. God calls us into a family. Don't look at me and don't look at you differently just because of the skin color. Look at each other based on the soul that is in that individual. Our message has never changed. Why? Because it's built on a doctrine. It's built on a doctrine. Black Lives Matter came out. And, and in the beginning, there was a lot of pressure put on people. Listen to me. You, just because you don't put a black square doesn't mean that you're racist. Something wrong with that. You voluntarily should be able to do whatever you want to do and decisions that you make. And if you don't do something that culturally everybody else is doing, that doesn't make mean that you're wrong. I'm not going to post a black square because I'm racist. I just don't like the fact that everybody else is, and some of those people are racist, posting black squares because they feel the pressure of the culture around them. That's wrong. Your heart should be right. And so they came out, hosted a whole mission statement about what they believe. And I believe in Black Lives Matter as a conception, as a concept. All lives matter. You matter. I matter. Black lives matter. Asian lives matter. Hispanic lives matter. And so this was a, a moment in history in which people wanted to bring prominence to that particular thing and that particular group. And so conceptually, it's right. But when you go on their mission statement on their website and you see that they're against the traditional family, that is crazy to me because the traditional family is the glue that holds everything together. And there's some political parties that have blown up groups and entities because they've taken the man out of the family, subsidized those families, and paid the mom to raise the children without a father figure, that's wrong. That, I can't stand it. I, I can't stand for that because that is against 
God's design. He put a man and a woman together to raise a family, and that was supposed to bring the strength of society. You're better off if you've got a mom and a dad in your home, and you're really better off if they love God. If they love God, you've got There is nothing that can hold you back. There is nothing that can stand in your way. So when you start reading that mission statement, you see, well, now, wait a minute. They're against a traditional family. They're pro-LGBQT. Well, I have a problem with that as well because I want to be God-like. I want to be kind to everybody. I don't want to be ugly. When somebody comes through the line, and I can tell, obviously, that they're of a different persuasion, I'm not going to write some nasty note on their receipt. We shouldn't be doing any of that either. However, I've got some convictions, and I believe that I'm defined not by culture, and not by pseudoscience. I don't believe you should just be able to change your ginger whenever you think you should, at whatever age you think you should. I think when a child is born, they, they're born male and female. You put that on the birth certificate. You don't wait and give them an opportunity at eight and nine to have surgery that then, they, then they're not happy with later in life when they develop and grow up at 17 and 18. Now they're having a major struggle wanting to commit suicide over. This is child abuse. I I believe the Bible defines who we are and God put into this world a man and a woman now whatever you want to do is your prerogative if that's what you want to do we live in a society especially in the United States of America that gives you the opportunity to do that but you can't turn around and tell me that I have to accept that I can't accept it because the scripture tells me I cannot accept it why because there's a teaching there's a doctrine there's something that anchors me I go through ups and downs myself but I've got to be anchored to something And I blame a lot of the churches because they're not preaching anymore. They're becoming just as woke as everybody else. When is somebody going to step into a pulpit and say, I don't care how, how, how much of a, a, a woke, how much wokeism you want to be involved in? We don't operate like that because we base things on the scripture. Jesus didn't operate like that. Just because a woman was caught in adultery, Jesus didn't walk the route of adultery. He said, I forgive you, but don't go and go and sin no more. Don't keep doing the same thing. Get yourself out of where you are. He elevated people, lifted people up. He didn't morph into what they were. He created a standard for us to live our lives as an example of an individual that died for humanity. He didn't, he wasn't negative to people. He wasn't curt with people. He wasn't ugly with people, but he stood for truth. And this early church that had some doctrine did the same thing. You can throw us in jail, prison. You can uh, persecute us. You can beat us. You can do all kinds of things with us. But we're going to preach the gospel because that's the doctrine that is going to astonish the world. We're not deviating from that. We're going to be full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Some cases you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Some folks left and they left the church because because of the kids that we bring in from the community. And so they felt like their kids were being disenfranchised. And if that's the way it's going to be, Pastor, we're just going to go somewhere else. Well, I didn't say it, but there's the door because we're going to reach those kids in the community. 
We're going to bring them here. I don't care what color they are. They need God. And the only Jesus that they may ever get is when they come into this place. They may laugh and, at us worshiping. That's okay. You never know when God will turn things around. So we lost some folks. We lost some folks because of that. But that's okay. We're going to keep reaching those kids. Brother Jordan, we're going to keep reaching those kids. Brother Winkler, we're going to keep reaching those kids. Praise God. We're not going to stop. We're going to do everything we can to make sure we've got a secure system, and, 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 and they, they do a fabulous job. And there's a whole, whole, that's a whole other world, ladies and gentlemen. You need to pray for them. That's a whole other world. <laughs> whole other world. You start knocking on doors and doors open, and you look in, and you see how people live and what they're doing. Yeah, you, you better be full of the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But that doesn't mean that we just quit, give up, walk away. That means that we try to do our best to present to them a gospel that maybe somewhere they, they, they won't forget it. You know what? I'll say this right now. Everything that we worked for for how many years is if heaven rejoices for one sinner, and that's what the Bible says, one. All this time and effort and money and investment just for one person, that's what heaven does. And so if all of that, if you want to put all of that invest, investment for somebody like Jamal Walker, who comes to the house of God that came directly from T-Rocket, that alone is worth it right there. And he's still involved in the same ministry. He's driving and doing stuff. So you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you lose somebody because... Because uh, they, they, they don't like the fact that we, we bring everybody in. And then you got people that want us to do more. You're not saying enough. You're not doing enough. And so then they're, they're not here because you're, you're not saying enough. You know? Well, I'm, I'm not going to get political and start jumping on the bandwagon of some of these organizations that are nefarious behind the scenes. <laughs> now you got people saying, wait a minute, this started with good intentions. But now you're taking money and buying real estate properties. And where did all this millions of dollars going go? Because it's not helping us. A lot of politically motivated things that, that are causing a lot of unrest. Thankfully, parents are starting to rise up looking at school boards. Did you know that a school board took off all the holidays on the calendar because they didn't want to be offensive to some people? Have you heard anything crazier than that? And parents stood up and said, this is insanity. Did you know that there, there's no children in here. Did you know that there was a teacher? She just left her job, but it was because parents rose up in fury because she was teaching sexuality to kindergartners and about how to masturbate. And the parents said, this is absolutely ridiculous. The, the prophet said, truth has fallen in the streets. You know, in some cases, we live in Kern County, and we're protected a little bit because we live in a more conservative uh, environment. But I'll tell you, you, you sit down and talk to some of the teachers that go to our church that work in some of those areas, and they'll tell you, 
don't, don't be too comfortable because there's stuff coming down the pike that I don't even know how much longer I'm going to be able to teach because this stuff is being promoted and promulgated. I'm telling you, if we're going to survive, we've got to have sound teaching and sound doctrine that anchors us no matter which way the wind blows by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. I'm going to be anchored in the word. I'm, I, I may tremble on the rock and there may be winds that come my way. All of us are not perfect. All of us struggle. Some of us in this place have major struggles. Listen to me. I know your plight and your situation. I know what you're facing. I've prayed with you. I've sought God for you. We've had good conversations about where you've been, where you've come from, and where you're going. But in the midst of all of that, the thing that has anchored all of us is the fact that the Word of God has got to dictate to me. Praise God. In moments of difficulty and in moments of weakness, I can't go that direction even when my flesh wants to go that direction and my mind wants to go that direction and the world is so pressuring me to go that direction. I've always got to come back to what really defines me and that's the doctrine that keeps me and sustains me. You're here in the house of God today doing a ministry, being used of God because you held to things that defied your emotions and your imagination and your mind. Somebody help me preach here in the house of God today. You're here because of the doctrine. Praise God, praise God. You're here because of the word of God in your life. I'm proud of you. I think it just broke, about broke my tooth with the microphone. We got to be anchored in some things. We need to be anchored in the doctrine and the teaching. The doctrine was obviously a new birth. But Jesus, Jesus would not have turned his disciples loose without giving them the grounds and wherewithal to be powerful in that early church. And he did, and they preached it, no matter what it would cost them. They, they preached repentance. You must repent. They preached baptism in Jesus' name. They didn't deviate from that. And uh, they're very clear about that. Sometimes you have to be somewhat diplomatic with people, and that's fine. And ultimately, if, if you're trying to figure out how to answer someone when they say, well, so, so if I'm not baptized in Jesus' name, does that mean I'm going to hell? Well, that's, now, Brother Terry <laughs> would say, yes, you are. That's, that's exactly what, okay. Uh, when he put a sign up that said all Trinitarians are going to hell, uh, that was a magnet. And so people, what in the world is he talking about? And they started coming to church. And church started growing. That may be a little too confrontational for nowadays, but you still have to have some convictions. It's not my responsibility to be the judge, jury, and executioner. What about my grandfather? What about my mom, uncle, my aunt? My Well, you have to be careful there. Let me just caution you. you. You start going down that route pretty soon. If you're not careful, you'll be involved in universalism, which means everybody's going to hell. Even the devil somehow is going to make it because God wouldn't send anybody to hell. And that's really not what the scripture says.
So how do you answer that? What, the way you answer that is you say, you know what, I love everybody, and I'm not here to condemn or judge you. But what I, what I do have to go by is what the Word says. And the doctrine and the teaching that I see is you, you must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. And so if that's something that you don't feel that, that you need and you can look at the Scripture and all the examples in Scripture and say, I'm going a different way, you, you, that, that's fine. And, and we can part ways and I can love you and ultimately I'll put you in God's hands and I'll believe that God knows exactly your situation. But as for me in my house, <laughs> I'm going to follow the teaching and the doctrine of those early apostles that every time they had the opportunity, they preach repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It was important to them, important enough for them to die. And so they lived that life because it was the doctrine. That was the doctrine. They believed in, believed in a, a living a godly and separated life. Praise God. Don't get so caught up in the culture of our world. The, the, the more the world gets off course, the more the church makes sense. And the bar is raised in the right place. And so there are standards that we put in place so that we can be a godly and holy people. You're a peculiar people. God called you out. Touch not the unclean thing. Be holy because I am holy. And so we as a practice, we, just, we, don't, we don't put makeup on because makeup is a masking. And now, you know, uh, it used to be you could say that just about women. You know, ladies, don't, don't put stuff on your face and don't put stuff in your hair. Everybody knows what you're doing because it's a strawberry color. Let's don't do that. And so it's easy to, to kind of point that out to, to, to women. There's now men, men wear makeup nowadays. Men, women, whatever you or whatever you want to be for that particular day, you, you you dress yourself up, you mask yourself, and you make yourself presentable to what you think the current culture is going to 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 reward you for. Ladies and gentlemen, you you know what you got on the inside of you that's greater than all that stuff? You got the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost shines through you. I really feel this way. I feel people are looking for authentic people. I think there are people that are wanting that want reality, not some plastic, fake kind of thing. I want to come before God not masked. I want to come before God unmasked. Unmasked. I want you to see my heart. I don't want to cover anything. The minute somebody rebels, a hair comes down over their face, trying to hide from stuff, plastering a bunch of stuff on because a culture and Hollywood and fashion dictate some kind of popularity. The church, the church has never operated on following the fashions of the world. Never. We don't. We never have. Never even from the beginning. Why? Because God's not interested in that. God's interested in your separation from the world. He's interested in your holiness to God. He's interested in you presenting a light to a world that is so full of fake stuff you can't even tell anymore. But thank God there are men and there are women in the house of God with uplifted hands. They don't got bling bling all over them. They don't have all this stuff covering them trying to somehow measure up to somebody else's perception. But they come and lift their hands without wrath and without doubting and they trust God to be a God to them and they desire to be his people.
I'm, I know I'm on approach here this morning, but it feels right. It just feels right. It feels like in the world that we're living that this, this needs to be something that, that we say and we establish because if, if, if you're not there, you're going to get run over. I appreciate all of you folks that come, everybody. We don't stand at the door, and we don't, we, don't, we don't discriminate against anybody. We don't. And thank God there are people that have actually told people, hey, we don't care what you look like, come. Worship with us. Be a part. We're not going to be so exclusive that guests can't come and enjoy the presence of God. Yet at the same time, we have to be a people of conviction as well. And so... So we'll allow people to come and be a part of the family, and we'll love on them. And usually at some point they'll say, Pastor, what do I need to do to get involved? Well, now that's another discussion. Because in order to get involved, there are some things that you're going to have to line up to because that's the value, principles, and identity of our church. You see the distinction there? There's a big distinction there. I love you. I want you to be here. I think worshiping God is the greatest thing. But if you want to get involved in ministry in this church, then there's some things that you have to line up to. There's dress is important. How you dress, okay? How you dress is important. What you put on, what you wear, uh, hair issues. Our ladies have uncut hair. They don't cut their hair. Why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, the covering is uncut hair. And it's an identity that is established so that there's an instinctive understanding that God created male and female. That's the whole issue with the hair. And before some people say, I really don't understand that. Today, it becomes more of a principle and a value because it is a distinction that is supposed to be instinctive. And the world is trying its best to cover that so very much. That's why you should be proud of who you are. Now, don't dress sloppy. Don't dress sloppy. Look nice. Put yourself together. I know sometimes you go to Home Depot and you look a mess. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just being out in culture and society and, 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 and looking terrible. Don't do that. Dress yourself up and look nice. Why? Because God is doing great things. And I'm putting myself together because God is a put-yourself-together kind of God. He likes order. He doesn't like confusion. Take care of your property. Pick up trash. Somebody said, is our homeless pro uh, problem and all the trash that's out there, is it an infrastructure problem or is it a moral problem? It's a moral problem. It's not an infrastructure problem. They go down into this, this, this area over here with bulldozers just about every month and clean it all out. It's a moral problem. The moral problem is you're not supposed to just litter everywhere. If you, if you drop a piece of trash, you're supposed to pick it up. Even on this property. If there's trash lying around, stop and pick it up. Don't, don't say, well, somebody else will do that. They've got a night watchman or they got somebody else do that. Somebody. No, no, it's a moral problem. In your house, you don't let your house pile up full of trash. You shouldn't pile up full of trash, right? You should take care of stuff. Brother, Brother David, Bejarano, and I, we've got this little game. He thinks he can always stay ahead of me. But when I drive on this piece of pride, and I believe this. I really believe this. I believe that God is a God of order and that we should be conservationists, not environmentalist activists. 
conservationist. God gave us what we've got. We should take care of it. That's what a conservationist is. You shouldn't wreck stuff. You should take care of stuff. When I drive by this piece of property, I am looking for every little, little item that I feel like is a problem, a weakness. So if I drive by, there's cobwebs on the front of the building. And the cobwebs need to be taken off the building. There's part of the fascia there. Oh, man, that needs to be fixed. This is just my mentality. This is the way that I think. There's a little piece of brick off the front of the building up there. It's a little tiny little crack thing. Brother John, that needs to be fixed. It's right there on the corner. It's just real small. Most people wouldn't even notice. There's a piece of brick from, from the sign out front off of the corner. Maybe you don't see that stuff. Maybe you just drive in, park, come in. Hey, hey it's great. I see it. And it's, it's, it's really, it's a curse. Because I should be coming in. Hey, praise the Lord, brother. How are you doing? I should be celebrating everybody. And, and what am I stuck on? They didn't turn the lights on the side here this morning. The candelabras. Can you believe it? Are we even going to be able to have church today? Lights aren't on on the side. Right? Now, you may think that's crazy, but you ought to appreciate that because you know what I think about this place? I think it's a, what? I value it, Sister Lois. I think it's the best place in this entire city, and I want it to look the best. I want it to look the best. God has, has called us. So what anchors, what anchors, everything that I'm saying here, I'm, I've blown up my notes completely. And I'm, I'm, I mean, we need to come to a conclusion here. But what I'm, what I'm speaking to you is a worldview. Really, it's what it is. It's a worldview. And the worldview is connected to the teaching and to the doctrine. And that's the way that it's been, and that's the way that I was raised before I ever came to this place. Before I ever got here. My identity is so wrapped up and intertwined into GBFPC, but before I ever came to this place in 1992, my grandfather pastored in Santa Barbara. Maybe some of you didn't know that. He had a church in Santa Barbara right downtown, and he pastored in Santa Barbara. The first revival, the evangelist, the first evangelist that came to preach for him in Santa Barbara, California was Brother Vaughn Morton. Interesting little tidbit. My grandfather moved from there. He went to Oregon. He took a church in Roseburg, Oregon. From there, he kind of retired. He took care of churches. My uncle took the church in Roseburg, Oregon. Then my uncle moved to Douglas, Wyoming. For a period of time, we were in a home missions, having church in a house. We stayed in the house. The living room was the church. Was there for about eight months. Then he went to Minot, North Dakota. My, my, my family, the, the things that, that, I'm, that I'm talking to came came out of a world view, a teaching, a, a doctrine. My grandfather was very, very big on if, if you, he would get extremely angry. He didn't really want him to get angry. He had, he had quite a temper. He wouldn't hurt you, but he could, he could make you feel like he was going to. And one of the things that really set him off is when you took something out of his toolbox and you didn't put it back. If you take it, put it back. I think I need to say that uh, here at this church. Okay, this, this stuff that's here costs money. Did you know that? The tools cost money, the chairs cost, this all costs money. It's an amazing amount of money this costs. 
$8,000 a week goes into the operation of this place. $8,000 a week times 50 weeks is, what is that, 400000 and then times 16 more thousand? That comes right out of tithing. So if anybody says, pastor's taking all the tithing, you tell them you're clueless. $8,000 a week comes right out of tithing to take care of this place. It's a big operation. You know what? It would not be done if there wasn't faithful, tithe-paying people that recognize the value of a leadership that puts the money right back into the work that we've got. That means something. You know why churches are drying up? Pat, they, don't, they don't teach tithing. And so it's offering. So then if you're not even having church, how are you going to pay the bills? There are going to be some churches that are going to be at discount prices. So stuff around here, it costs money to do stuff. The school costs money. The daycare helps in the school. But it, it's, 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 it's a lot of juggling to try to keep all that going. And then stay focused on missions and give every month to missions. And then focus on missions projects. And then our own projects and our own ministry. There's a lot there. So don't think that you can just come on the property and decide, I'm just going to take that and take it home and use it and bring it back. That's not yours. That's God's. I mean, this may blow your mind, but, but, but what happens is you take it home and it never comes back. Then we start looking for the wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow's gone. Where'd it go? I don't know where it went. Stuff walks off the property all the time. It shouldn't be that way. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. What happened to the barbecue? I don't know. Saw it over there in El Oildale somewhere, somewhere. Somebody was barbecuing hamburgers. Well, they didn't tell me about it. Well, go get it. It's got a flat tire on it. Right? So, so when you get something... You should ask first. You should really. You should say, Pastor, I, you know, <laughs> uh, but whatever you take, you should put it back. I like that in terms of just worship. If God blesses you with something, you should give back. You, you know what I like? Listen, I like this. I, I know I'm just, I'm, I'm like just, I'm completely off. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that Brother Kevin Condren just walks out of his pew and walks to the front. He's not jumping up, down, twirling. He's not taking his jacket off, doing this number like sometimes I have a tendency to do and it really gets really good. He's not climbing up on stuff. He just steps out and walks to the front. That means something to me. You may not be the type of person that runs and does cartwheel. The church is made up of a lot of different people. Don't criticize me for doing what I do. I'm not going to criticize you for doing what you do. But, but I do want you to worship. You know, you, you can lift your hand. You can wave your hand. That's good enough for me. As long as you, and he just steps out and walks to the front. I would challenge some of you that feel like I'm not, the, I, you know, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not the, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. There is a, there is a quiet power and strength when somebody steps out and just walks to the front. I'm here. I have no fear. And God is near. Sound like Dr. Seuss and they're trying to cancel Dr. Seuss. 
I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like them on a train, a car. Here, there. They're everywhere. You need to settle into this thing called apostolic living. If, if, if you're kind of on the bubble, you need to go home and clean out your closet. Just clean it out. You know, that's, a, that's above the knee. It's too tight. This is too low. doesn't measure up. I don't need that kind of stuff. This is all the world trying to impress me into a certain mold, and it's not God's mold. I'm finished and done with it. I'm going to live for God and watch God do great things. Amen. That becomes, that becomes the teaching becomes the doctrine. Praise God. You get yourself too involved and, and mixed up in some industries and cultures, you, you need to get out of that. If it's such a pressure on you that it dictates how you're going to dress and live and talk and walk, and yet at the same, you, you, can't, you cannot live in both worlds at the same time. You can't straddle the fence. You can't please two masters. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this place. I know where you are. You want to live for God. You really do. You want to live for God. You want to lay down all that stuff. And yet at the same time, you, 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 you can't distance yourself from that. Best thing you could do is distance yourself from it. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It, well, that's a career change. Okay. It's a career change. Got to do something different. Do you know people are losing their jobs because they're taking a stand? Not on religious grounds, just on this whole cancel culture thing. They're losing their jobs. And, and when did we ever get to the point where we thought that everybody was perfect? See, that's the problem with cancel culture that I don't get. We're going to cancel you because you said something stupid three years ago on one of your Instagram feeds. Okay, so you cancel them because they're not perfect. They said something dumb. Have you ever heard of something called growth and maturity? We're going to cancel everybody. And the problem with that is at some point, at some point, it comes around and bites you in the rear end because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. So you've got to allow people room to grow and develop. And, and, and you know, I, I wish there's some things that I've said I wish I could take back. I can't take them back. That's also a reason why you better be careful what you post on Facebook and social media because... Because that mob's out there waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting for you to slip up and say something dumb. And then when you do, they're going to pile on you. We don't need that stuff. What do we need? We need to walk in the doctrine of the apostles being filled with the Holy Ghost, a worldview that recognizes and understands that God is in the business of doing great things. And I want to be involved in that. I want to get my life in that. You play that game too long, and it's going to impact and affect your children. There's nothing like having a mom and dad that are, I'm in this, baby. We are, we are in this. We're going to have ups and downs, but we are in the house of God, and we are going to be centered in the house of God. Your children are going to appreciate that at some point. I saw a post by Danny Black. You stand by his dad. And he said, Dad, I want, I want you to know how much I appreciate you. This is public. You posted it, so, so don't look at me like I'm crazy for saying it. You posted it. It's, it's, it's public consumption. Dad, I appreciate you. I've got four kids of my own, and a lot of times I look back and say, what would Dad do? Thank God for a dad. Thank God for a dad. 
You're going to be a better dad because your dad said, you know what, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to have struggles, and I'm going to go through difficulties, and, 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 and I'm going to have a testimony. But ultimately, I'm going to live for God. Your children, they may walk away at some point, but they're going to have a better advantage. And we're praying they don't. We're praying that God uses them in the kingdom of God. They're going to have a better opportunity because they are centered in the house of God, walking in the ways of the Lord. That's what I want my family to be. God, I know my kids are not perfect. They've, they've had struggles and difficulties, but I'm glad one of them's up in Tracy, California preaching today, and the other, I'd sure like to get her back. She's at a conference somewhere in Pine, Louisiana at Brother Cox Church. Oh, boy, she's going to come back with, <laughs> she's going to come back with some stories. I guarantee you there. I appreciate that my children, I, I pray for that, that they, they would bring gratitude and thankfulness to the house of God and everybody around them, that they would be examples, that they want to live for God. Not that they're perfect. They're going to have struggles, but ultimately they want to be centered in the house of God. Everything I do is wrapped up in that endeavor. I want living for God to be fun, not a drudgery. If you live for God and your kids see that you really don't want to go to church and then you don't worship, you're going to raise a generation just like you. But if, but if, hey, hey, woo, it's party time tonight. We're going to the house of God. It's going to be a blast. People are going to receive the Holy Ghost. God's going to move. Your kids will start seeing that. Praise God. Jordan and Corinne, you got a bunch of little ones. I appreciate the fact that every once in a while I see you with your girls up front here. That's awesome. You know what you're teaching them? An invaluable lesson. Worship is important. The best place to get during worship is up front. This is where we worship and praise. This is just what we do. And you start developing a behavior. And then they independently start visualizing that and applying that to their life. They're going to have a better chance of being used of God. Praise God. Savior, help us close this today. We've gone way off track, but we've been so on track. We live in a world that is putting a lot of pressure, families and churches and individuals. I pray that you would establish us in a teaching that is for eternity. I want a new birth experience. I want to live a godly life. These are the doctrines of the Lord. And I pray that you would firmly establish and entrench us in those things and help us in our endeavor. If we're here, if we're here, why are we here for? We're here because we want to be the best that we can be. We're not here because we were coerced. We're not under duress. We want to be the best that we can be. So I pray that you would help us collectively be the best father, mother, daughter, son, worshiper, example in the house of God that we can be. Praise God. In the process of that, help us influence and touch somebody else's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. God bless you. We will be here tonight in the house of God at 7 o'clock for prayer. Let's come expecting God to do great things.
Sorry, sorry. See, I'm so off. I'm oh, sorry, 5.30. 5.30, where'd that come from? Woo! 5.30, we'll be here at 5.30 for prayer. Service starts at 6 o'clock. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Smile at somebody and tell them.